From St. John, the, the first chapter, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is our text, dear friends. Dear friends, behold, said John, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Of this verse, Martin Luther said, it is an extraordinarily fine and comforting sermon. Neither our thoughts nor our words can do it full justice, but in the life beyond it will redound to our eternal joy and bliss. That says a lot for these rather few words before us today, but you know on our careful consideration, we find that these few words before us today tell us all that's at the heart of Holy Scripture. <clears throat> they tell us all that's at the heart of Holy Scripture, and these, these few words reveal to us volumes of what's in the heart of God. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Behold. So John begins, Behold. If you've ever spent some time car shopping or house hunting or spouse hunting, you might have been agonizing over some decisions that had to be made, tough decisions. Tough decisions, big decisions. And most people would love for the finding in those situations, for the finding to be as easy as a light from heaven, a light from heaven shining down with perfect clarity right there upon the right one, Right there, for instance, on that perfect house. The perfect home for you. The one that was always meant for you. A light shining down and pointing out among all the others which one it is. Singling out from all the others which one. A light of divine confirmation doing away with any of that uneasiness and guesswork. That light saying simply to you, this is the one right here. The one that I have selected, the one that heaven selected for you. And so many things, it sure would be nice to have a light like that and to hear, and to hear that behold, this is it. Scripture says there was a man sent from God whose name was John, and he came as a witness. He was sent to take the guesswork out of salvation. It's behold. He says, behold, here it is. He says, this is the one, he says, that heaven's appointed for you. He says, behold. And of course, that attention grabbing, that attention arresting behold is, is as timely for us now as it's ever been timely for anybody. David Barrett, who compiles religious statistics for the Encyclopedia Britannica, David Barrett figures that including Christianity, there are today no less than 10,000 distinct religions in the world. In such a sea of salvation substitutes, filled with all of their empty promises to spare you, to spare you from any uncertainty regarding the salvation that God has prepared for you, how, how dear to us. And how welcome and how timely today, timely as it's ever been, is that ray of light and that God-sent voice of John's echoing across time. Behold. Behold. Behold what? 
Behold the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God. Lambs have near always been in close proximity with God's redemption. Appointed lambs, appointed lambs have near always been. Remember it was a chosen and a pure lamb that was the centerpiece of the entire Passover event of deliverance and of all of the annual commemorations of that event and all of the years following. Remember, too, through the Old Testament ages, it it was a lamb unblemished that was ever being placed upon the tabernacles or upon the temple's altar of sacrifice. Why? Because that's what you'd bring. It's what you'd bring and it's where you'd go to have your sins, guilt, before God dealt with, with finality and done away with. And remember how the, the beautiful ritual and right worked the way that God had instituted it and ordained it for his people, you'd place your head, rather your hand, on on that woolly head. You'd place your your hand on, on that woolly head, and then in there, symbolically, the transfer of of sins was made. And that unblemished lamb, symbolically there bearing your sins, was slain. And so it's no wonder at all That what John calls us to behold is a lamb. But not just any lamb, not a lamb, it's the lamb. The lamb appointed by God, the lamb anointed by God, the lamb, St. John says, slain from the foundation of the world. All other lambs were only to point to this lamb, the lamb. So as we sing in that beautiful Lenten hymn, we'll sing it. In fact, a couple of weeks from now, I'm sure. Not all the blood of beasts on Jewish altars slain could give the guilty conscience peace or wash away the stain. But Christ, the heavenly lamb, takes all our sins away. A sacrifice of nobler name and richer blood than they. You see, it was upon the, the altar of the cross that all the lambs that came before him did see the shadows of their sacrificial service come into reality and become reality. It was upon the altar of the cross and in the, the blood of the Lamb of God shed that all the troubled consciences of ages past did find their final peace. And it's the peace of every troubled conscience Since then, too, yours, when it's troubled by your sin, and mine, too. Sin's offense before God requires eternal lifeblood. But friends, thank God eternally that it was His Lamb's blood and not yours. And I thank Him it's not mine. And that's why that same Lenten hymn that that I I quoted to you a minute ago. That's why it continues with these touching words, reminiscent of that Old Testament rite of the transfer of sins. It continues, My faith would lay her hand on that dear head of thine, speaking of the Lamb of God, while like a penitent I stand and there confess my sin. My soul looks back to see the burden that thou didst bear. When hanging on that cursed tree, I know my sins were there. 
gentle lamb, a willing lamb, gentle though, not ferocious. Lambs aren't ferocious, but he's a gentle lamb. And with that tender nudge, he wants you to know that he's gladly and he's willingly taken away, as John said, your sins. Literally in the Greek, it's lifted up off of you, taken the burden off your shoulders. He's taken away your sins. That's Scripture's promise to you of this lamb. Remember what Isaiah of old wrote? He said, he was led as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. The Lord was pleased to place on him the iniquity of us all. It pleased the Lord to crush him, to make his soul, Isaiah writes, an offering for your sin. Such a willing and such a gentle lamb is he. That reminds me of a story, an account of which I read some time ago. A man in this account tells of a friend of his, Sam. Sam worked in a slaughterhouse, and his job job was to put to death all of the chickens and the the turkeys and, and the cattle and the hogs. You name it, he killed it. One day there was an exceptional animal that was there penned in the slaughterhouse barn. It was a lamb. And Sam said, usually I... I would be quick to be about the business of severing the, the throat of the beast and it would just fall to the ground and that was that. But then he said, but I never killed a lamb before. And he went on in some detail. He said, usually I'd chase the animal down. I'd chase it down so the animal could be killed. He said, usually the animals were very skittish about things. Probably, he said, because they could smell the blood. They could smell the death. But you know, he said, this little lamb just walked right up to me. And and he nudged my hand with his head. But he said, I I stuck to my routine. And I quickly and I roughly grabbed the animal tight and I did my my bloody job. And I, I did it hard and I did it swift, he said. And seemingly unmoved by the gruesome details of it all, he continues on. And he says, the cut was deep and the blood was much. And I let go of the animal and it staggered as if it were drunk. And then he said, but with with its blood all over my hands, I dropped the knife in disbelief. As the scene I saw next, he said, changed my life. He said, "The, the lamb didn't fall to its knees wisping for breath. But he said, the little lamb staggered back to me and nudged my bloody hand for the second time with his nose and started to lick its blood from my hands. And right then and there, that man began to think, he said, on the Lamb of God named Jesus Christ, and the the death that he willingly died for him, and beholding that sight, and thinking on God's lamb, it brought that toughened butcher to tears, and he quit his job that day. How often and how gentle has Christ nudged your soul, stained 
with the guilt of his blood, though it may be on your soul and on your hands, toughened and hardened by our own sins, we may be yet how dearly, friends, and how tenderly he comes always back to you and in grace brushes up to you and gently reminds you. He says, remember, it wasn't It wasn't your sins that ultimately led this lamb to lie down on the altar of the cross. It wasn't your sins that kept me there. It was this lamb's love for you that did it. Friends, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And that's the last thing I want to make mention of today. The sin of the world. When we, when we consider that collective whole, we tend to, we tend to forget about the, the little one sentence. Rather, when we consider the collective whole, then we do tend to forget about how much this one sentence, this little sermon of John the Baptist, means for the individual one whose sin adds to that collective whole. And in fact, it's easy for us because of this generic phrase of the world, it's so easy for us to isolate John's sentence so that we'd, we'd only well consider it on mornings like this. Maybe between 8 and 9 in the morning on a Sunday morning. Mornings like this that we tend to think theological thoughts. But inspired by the Holy Spirit, John was mindful to put that verb in the present tense. When he said, the Lamb of God who takes away, in the present tense, who takes away the sin of the world. You see, you can't say this verse without it applying to the present, whenever that may be. And to whoever, to whom whoever, or whomever in the world that may be. You see, where it would, be, it would be easy for us to impersonalize and it would be so easy for us to isolate the verse, the Holy Spirit shows us here in the verse that this verse really is for us and ought to be for us a part of the, the raw grit of everyday life and living. Because you see, somewhere out there this past week, there's a, there's a young boy who doesn't dare confess to his mom and dad what he's done. He's stolen something from the local store. It was only a candy bar, but, and at first it didn't bother him that much, but with each passing hour, it bothers him more and more. He feels bad about it. He knows his dad would be outraged. He knows his mom would be tearfully disappointed in him. He knows what he's done is wrong. He knows it's sin. Well, that candy bar is gone now. And that little boy doesn't see how he can undo what he's done. And his little mind begins to wonder, will they still love me? Will God still love me? And lying awake in his bed at night, a a melody begins to float through his mind. And the familiar words that he's recently been learning to sing in church, in fact, at communion... Words about the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Or somewhere out there this week, there's a college girl and she enjoys college life. 
She enjoys the loose lifestyle of college life, though she wouldn't say loose. She'd say free. Now, her parents raised her well. In fact, she's still got her confirmation certificate in her dorm room closet somewhere. She won't find her parents with her today, though. She's slumped down on the bathroom floor in grief, all alone, because she was talked into by her boyfriend, talked into terminating the fetal life that just last week she learned was growing inside her. She thought it was the answer, but she knows now that it's not. And she's devastated by it, by what's been done, and the sin, and she knows it's sin, bears heavy on her quivering shoulders. Can this one be forgiven? Or somewhere this past week, this, there's a couple out there that just got married. Somewhere, the same newly married couple just got into their first fight as husband and wife. Things were said that shouldn't have been said. And the words cut deeply. And they hurt. And already, these two are learning that marriage built only on love is destined to fall and avoiding one another in silence. These two both wonder to themselves, how do we begin to reconcile things between each other? Upon what foundation do we begin to build again? And friends, somewhere out there, there's an old and an aged man who lies in a hospital room bed and is on the brink of eternity. And he knows it. And his eyes are closed Family members nearby don't know because they can't tell if he's conscious or not, but he is. And he's thinking back on the days of his life, and he, he was blessed with so many good days. And he still remembers those days. And while the pleasant thoughts make him smile in his mind, those, those moments also come rushing back to him, though that he could never forget those, those memories of life's sin. Return to him and return to accuse him now. And they would begin to create real fear in his mind and real doubt in his soul about whether or not very, very soon he will be standing before God, pleasing to God or not. They would create the fear and the doubt, but for familiar words. And a familiar melody that floats through his mind, very familiar words, words that he's known since he was a little boy. When he learned to sing them in church, in fact, at communion, words about the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of all the world. And friends, you know well these stories aren't just somewhere out there. These stories we know all too well. They're part of our lives. My friends, whatever your story, and no matter your story, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Those are words for real life, and they're words for your life. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.